Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. Great to have you with us. We'll talk some hoops. We are getting close to March. It's not far away, and that's always a fun time of year, of course. Alongside Chris Dorch of Blue Ribbon, I'm Kevin Ingram. Our guest today will be ESPN analyst and bracket expert, the bracketologist himself, Joe Lenardi. So looking forward to visiting with Joe here in a few minutes. Chris, how you doing? I'm well, and looking forward to speaking to Joey Brackets. Uh, he's always got uh, some enlightenment to, to throw on us, so uh, this is his time of year. This is what he lives for. For as crazy and sometimes frustrating of a season as it's been, does it feel like we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with March arriving here in the next few days? Dude, it's incredible how quickly mo- most college basketball seasons, especially when the calendar turns to January, seem to fly by for me. But this one, I mean, you just look up and uh, we're less than three weeks away from Selection Sunday. So I don't know what it what it was. I mean, usually, obviously, the fact that we both travel usually mm-hmm. helps the season, you know, seems to quicken the pace for us. But we haven't traveled much. So for this season to have flown by as it has, I really can't explain it, but here we are getting ready to announce a tournament bracket. So, yeah, it's gone by remarkably quickly. If you look at Jill Lenardi's uh, recent bracket, and we'll talk to him shortly, but there, there are two Big Ten teams in number one slots in Michigan and Ohio State, and those two played what I thought was just a classic basketball game on Sunday. I don't know that there's been a better one this season. Wolverines won 92-87. Chris, both teams shot it well. That was just a really high-level basketball game, wasn't it? It really was, and, and, and uh, kudos to both coaches. Chris Holtman has been a success at, at every level. Jawan Howard has surprised me and a lot of other observers who matter-of-factly thought that, well, just because you're the, the, the homecoming hero to your alma mater and you've been in the NBA doesn't guarantee success if you've never coached in college before. And dang, if he hasn't, you know, he's defied expectations and especially when you're the guy who replaces the guy. And, and you know, uh, John Beeline is a legendary coach. And and so Juwan Howard's done a great job. And one of the best things he did was I think he defied trends of, of modern-day basketball and went out and got himself what Al McGuire used to call an aircraft carrier, <laughs> a big dominating postman. That's Hunter Dickinson. He just won Big Ten player uh, freshman of the week for the seventh time this season. That's a school record. 7-2, 255. He moves. He's smart. He, he, he's not afraid to, to compete. Uh, he's just been a revelation. And, and I'll tell you, no team in the country has put up with COVID hassles more than Michigan, which went nearly three weeks without playing. And they came back, and they haven't missed a beat. Sure, they they've been terrific, and yeah, it's, it was a long layoff for them uh, with, with really uh, more than just the basketball program shut down on that campus. Staying in the Big Ten, a team that has caught my attention is Illinois. They haven't lost in a month. They have seven straight wins. Io Dosumo has two triple doubles in the last four games, and is averaging twenty one points, eight rebounds, and six assists in that span. Looks like a first team All American, and Illinois looks like a team that's going to be a tough out. Well, they, they really do. A couple things to mention about them. This is their highest-ranked team since uh, Bruce Weber's uh, NCAA runner-up in 0405. And uh, DeSumo made the Koozie Award Final Five 
of which I am a voting member. And dang, if my final five wasn't the, the official final five, and that was uh, Dosumu, who, by the way, is the only NCAA player in the last 11 years to average 20 points, five board, six boards, and five assists. Now think about that. Hmm. He's also the only other player besides Magic Johnson to have uh, multiple triple doubles in Big Ten play. But along with Jared Butler of, of Baylor, Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga, Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State, and Colin Gillespie of Villanova, he is among the five Koozie Award finalists, and that was my ballot. So uh, I must have something going on. You do. You always always have your finger right on the pulse there. But for, for, right. for all their bad start and hand-wringing, Duke's probably going to make it, aren't they? Uh, they're now 11-8, and 9-6 and six in the ACC with their 14-point win over Syracuse. Uh, it's starting to look like it's trending in the right direction for Coach K. They needed to get a signature win, which they did the other day. They beat number seven Virginia. Uh, that – escalated them from 56 in the net to 47 they're 30th in the Ken Palm and they've got Louisville next which got waxed 99-54 uh, against North Carolina after coming off a, a COVID pause so you know it's looking good for Duke to go ahead and and, and build up that resume and, and and get in the tournament there was some danger early on but I think everybody knew that Given Coach K's track record, they would put it together sooner or later. And turns out they've got enough time to get it done. Chris, uh, another guy has had some pretty impressive stat lines is a guy I see often. That's Vanderbilt's Dylan DeSue. 29 points, 16 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks against Kentucky. Followed that up with 17 and 15 against Alabama. One SEC player of the week. But it's more than just stepping out there and knocking down threes. He has been relentless. I mean, just going after loose balls and rebounds and, and, and getting to the bucket. Uh, he's only scored in, in those two games, only two baskets that were three-pointers. DeSue has really been impressive. Uh, and and i got to think headed toward an all-conference uh, selection in the SEC. I think so. I, I was surprised to, to look up and see that he's leading the SEC in rebounding at 9.2 a game. He's 10th in scoring, averaging 15 and he's fourth in field goal percentage at 49%. So he's putting together a good year. I think part of it is because Vandy really relies on him and Scottie Pippen Jr. So those are guys that are going to have to put the stats together. But he has definitely uh, had a breakout season for sure. And then uh, as long as we're in the SEC, are there any two teams that are harder to figure out than the ones who played in Knoxville Saturday? A 13-loss Kentucky team beat a ranked Tennessee team by 15 Rick Barnes' Vols, they're now 8-6 and six in the SEC. Cal's Cats are 7-7. Seven and seven. And after seeing Kentucky in person last week here in Nashville, if he could cut down on fouls, I think Isaiah Jackson might be Kentucky's best player. He had two really nice games and only played 41 total minutes in those two. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I think he's kind of snuck up on people, but he's leading the league in block shots. He's a really great rim protector. And as he proved against Tennessee, he can score. I'm not sure what it is against uh, about Tennessee – at times they look dominant, and at times they just seem to forget what they've been taught. Uh, I think that's hallmark, really, of a young team. They do have two veterans in Eve Pons and John Fulkerson, but ironically, those guys haven't played uh, according to what their preseason expectations were. And until they do, and uh, I don't know that, that Tennessee can, can be as good as, as we all thought they could be. And of course, they were ranked as high as number five in the country at one point. What about Kentucky? Uh, what, what's their ceiling? You know, can they 
If they finish strong, make a nice run in the tournament, short of winning the tournament, can they get in? That's a good question. I think they're starting to rack up uh, some some signature wins. Certainly winning at Tennessee was big. Uh, there's time, I guess. but And in, in a weird season like this where uh, a lot of teams uh, have not been able to complete their schedules, at least one league, the, the Ivy, is not going to send a representative because they didn't play. Right. Uh, there could be room for a team that's a little bit over 500. So, yeah, I mean, Kentucky always plays well in the SEC tournament. Now, the, 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 the their secret weapon is not going to be there this year, and that's mm-hmm. the, the arena is three-quartered filled or more with Cat fans. That's not going to happen. But traditionally, Coach Cal has had his team really playing well as, as the season uh, nears an end, and, and they always uh, show up and represent in, in the SEC tournament. Our guest has arrived. He is none other than ESPN analyst and bracket expert Joe Lenardi, live from the shore. What's going on, Joe? Kevin, it's great to do this. And 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 just the words live from the shore make me think of uh, my two favorite four-letter words, free golf. It can't be far away if, if we've gotten to this point of basketball season and I'm 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 on with you guys cuz you guys always hit me up like right before champ week. Yeah, exactly. Um Joe, uh, I, I I promised you when when I uh texted you to ask if you would come on that we would plug your book and I see that like most uh political pundits who who are on CNN or whatever, they always have their books face out uh so the audience can see them. And I, I noticed that, that you have yours. So tell us about the book and what went into it. I, I think it's a great idea whose uh, time has finally come. Well, I appreciate that. And, 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 you know, unlike a lot of those pundits, Chris, and, and, and you would know this well, <laughs> you know, in, in sports, we don't have to be able to read a book to actually write one. <laughs> and, 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 you know, clearly that's true. In, uh, that, yeah. 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 That's um, right. But in your case, but no, all, all kidding aside, um, uh, I have been approached several times over the years about doing kind of the story of bracketology. Yeah. And for one reason or another, uh, I, I never jumped probably, I, you know, it would be false modesty to say, well, I didn't really think there was a book in there. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't sure, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I always thought it was a good magazine story. Yeah. Uh, just from, you know, if I step back and I was editing. Uh, but, you know, then with the pandemic and with no longer having a quote unquote real job, you yeah. know, my off seasons are a, 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 a little more mine than they used to be. Yeah. And, I just thought, you know, last spring, especially the funk that we were all in and, you know, it was, look, I know that in the real world, like there are true tragedies going on every day and that losing a basketball tournament is not on that list. Right. Uh, But that doesn't mean for those of us who worked in and around the game, that it isn't a significant loss. And, And it is, and it was, uh, so, so I thought, all right, I, you, you know, D- David Smale, a really good guy, uh, an experienced, uh, uh, book 
guy out of Kansas City. Uh, did, did a nice profile of me in the Final Four program back, I guess, the last time we had a Final Four. And uh, he, he just – he just – actually, Chris, he reminded me a lot of you. He was wow. just relentless, <laughs> but in a, in a good-natured way. Yeah. And I thought, okay, uh, you know, he's willing to put in the legwork to, to basically – record we we only did the first three chapters in person before everything went you know kaput right uh and and we zoomed and talked all through the spring and early summer and uh he did an amazing job of of going through every aspect of you know my connections with basketball um and you know once once we got through the uh forward chapter on my playing career yeah it was it, it, I started to think, you know what, maybe, maybe this really is a book. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, David did spent several weeks on a first draft on the main manuscript. And then, and then I did about six or eight weeks of adding, subtracting, and mostly, I don't want to say polishing because it, it was good. It, it just needed to sound like me. Yeah. Uh, and and by the time that was done, you know, end of August or so, uh, I started to think to myself, you know what, this is this is not terrible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I just I had been warned that when the day finally came, and it did about two or three weeks ago, when that box came that has your book in it, it was going to be a, kind of a surreal experience. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was definitely because it, it, look, I know nobody reads books anymore in spite of your background. They're, they don't read actual books. <laughs> like they read maybe digital books. Or yeah. Having it in your hand was a big deal. Sure. To me. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I thought minimally, like my kids and grandkids are going to have this. That's all. Awesome. And they're going to be able to see what I, you know, what 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 that guy did when they Google me, you know, well, after you were already your place was already secure. I'm I'm sure bracketology is in Webster's dictionary now. It uh, is, it is. So the the book is yes, it's about me to a degree, but if you want to ignore those parts and read about the evolution of the tournament and the the the, the way coverage of the tournament and and the sport has evolved sure to kind of allow this to be a thing i think that's the real story yeah and, you know I, I i do have some opinions uh you know there are places where i like to try and exchange my ideas with the powers that be uh hopefully they'll exchange their ideas for mine uh and and you know my wife who's who's a doctor like a like a real yeah. Doctor of Psychology I finished remember. it over the weekend, and she said, "You know what? That was a good book." Wow. And I'm like, at that point, I thought, "Man, I I, I need to quit while I'm ahead." <laughs> yeah, so, she's the harshest critic, right? Yeah, thanks for asking. And <laughs> well, I mean, and like, let's be honest, fellas. Like, behind every successful man is a surprised woman. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I think our wives would concur on that. Oh, it's in the book. That's not an original line. <laughs> uh, tell the folks the name of the book, and, and it's it's on. It goes on sale March first, right? Yeah, but but you can order it now at uh, triumphbooks.com or if Amazon wherever you want to get it. I, I know people that pre-ordered have already gotten because they've sent me pictures. Yeah. Um, so, so that's cool. And, uh, it, you know, it is getting some, I, I, like the ESPN people have been great. They're like, put it in your background. Yeah. Because I thought, well, that's going to, that's kind of a. Mm. Oh, no, that's that's what you got to do these days. <laughs> that's what you got to do these days. So hopefully, here you go. Here you go, my friend. Now, what you can't see. So you think you think the book is a big deal. Oh, my goodness. But like, like, you know. How about the bobble? So, so now, like when wow. people ask me if their team is in or out, I'm just going to shake my head, <laughs> or maybe, maybe say, "Oh yeah, they're in." And yeah. these are these are about to be mass produced, and they'll be on sale in March also. And uh, you think the book is surreal? You know what? What do they say? Uh, I'm beside myself. And <laughs> did Did you ever think that that when we were on that car trip to? Now watch Tennessee play that that it would come to all this. No, but it's that's like a half a chapter right there. Wow! And uh, oh, so you tell the story. I hope I hope I hope I spelled your name right. <laughs> uh, you better have, dude. A S my attorney. A S is that? Wait, I don't know if I'm spelling it. I, I, right. I think you might have that one wrong. That's right. And you know, I, I'll be the. I'll make. I'll say it before anybody else does, because my brother saw this and he goes, "Oh, it's actual size." Right. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like Jim Nance too. Huh? A couple bracket questions before we let you go. Uh, oh, it... going to do that? <laughs> yeah, I know. We got to got to do some actual uh, work here. <laughs> I was told there would be no math. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> that's, how Chris, <laughs> that's how Chris sold me on this thing. Uh, has any conference ever ever had anything close to two ones and two two seeds like the Big Ten could potentially have with Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, and and the team I'm starting to to really get a man crush on Illinois. Yeah. Uh... You, I, I suspect your man crush isn't complete until you've been dunked on by Kofi. Tucker. Oh man! Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness! He's a big uh, fan. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what, Ken? That's a great question because we've had two times in my memory where a league has gotten three number ones. It happened. Well, it happened the last time there was a tournament with Virginia, Carolina, and Duke. Right out of the AC scene. It happened once in the old big, big East with Louisville Pitt And I want to say Yukon, I'd have to go back and check that. Uh, two twos and two ones. I can't say that. I know that off the top of my head. Wow. Uh, but it's probably pretty it, rare. I would say. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the fact that we can't name it, as a frequent thing proves right. the point, sure. right? That right. They're pretty darn good. And uh, if, if this isn't the year for the big 10 to snap, it's whatever, 20 some year drought of yeah. national champions. 2000 was the last. Yeah, exactly. Michigan uh, state, Mateen Cleaves. Yeah. But right. They can have all these teams at or near the top, but none of them are going to be favored to win it all. Yeah. At least yeah. when it starts. And, sure. and your your pick would be Gonzaga, right? 
Well, my, my at the very beginning of the year, uh, you know, we have to kind of put our Final Four picks like up for public consumption. Right. And at that time, I picked Baylor over Gonzaga in the final. Wow. Uh, and it, 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 I've been telling myself I should stick with that. That way, if it doesn't happen, I can only be wrong once. <laughs> Whereas if I change my pick like most people do when the tournament starts, yeah. I can be wrong more than once. Wow. Joe, Alabama's had an amazing season. Can they hold on to a two-seed as these last couple weeks shake out? Yeah, I do. And, you know, it's funny. I uh, I was talking to Jimmy Dykes this morning. He does, of course, a lot of SEC games. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, good. And a good guy. And a good guy. And a good, yeah. guy. good at what he does. Uh, and And – like for some reason I was on the Alabama bandwagon earlier than most and took a lot of heat for it. Yeah. I'm not we, really we, sure. We picked him 14th in our preseason. Like, like in the 20 years that I have data. Okay. And I have a lot of data. Yeah. In those 20 years, there has never been a zero or one loss team. In league play, in a Power Five slash Big East, yeah, it hasn't been a one seed. Wow! Think about that. Wow. Now, admittedly, pretty much all the ones from the SEC in that bucket have been named Kentucky. Right. Yep. Okay, so they're you know obviously they're they get some cachet for being Kentucky, but you know this year when people say the SEC is down, you know because there's no Kentucky. I said, there absolutely is a Kentucky. It just happens to be called Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> right, like like they switched from blue to red? Okay, fine. Uh, they run people out of the gym, man. Uh, they I, really I, can. I, I, look, I, I think that – I mean, there's certainly a second weekend team. Uh, you know, can they beat any of the really, really top teams in in a regional final? I mean, you certainly wouldn't bet on it. Right. Uh, but th- pretty much, it's pretty rare for, well, all four, it's happened one time that all four number ones have made it. And it doesn't happen that they all make the Elite Eight either. Yeah. Very often. Uh, y- you know, because let's be honest, if the favorites won all the time, we the tournament wouldn't be as popular as it is. Exactly. Uh you know, every year we think, oh, these teams are so elite. You know, nobody's going to beat Baylor. Nobody's going to beat Michigan, whatever. Well, maybe. And certainly in a best of seven on a neutral court, the better team wins almost all the time. That's why the, in the NBA, right. the best teams are almost always in the finals. Right. Yep. But we're not talking about seven 48-minute games. We're talking about one 40-minute game. And – you know, even the 62 Mets won 40 games. So, like, as the bumper sticker says, stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> we better get ready for it because it's going to happen again. Uh, it, it will. And that leads me to our last question. Give us a dark horse Final Four team uh, in, in the mold of a VCU, a George Mason 
Mm. Is there anybody out there like that in your estimation? Anybody? Well, okay. So now you're talking like double digit seeds making yeah. the final four, yeah. which is this would be really a tough year for that to happen. Yeah, uh, I. It's been crazy. You, you know, like, but yes, but then on the other hand, like at this moment in time. North Carolina is a double-digit seed. Yeah, yeah. Right? Duke yeah. might sneak in as, as a double-digit double seed <laughs> after being a preseason. A parallel universe, man. So maybe it's not going to be George Mason. Maybe it's going to be Coach K. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but but I will say, you know, it's more common that you get a Final Four team or two. I call them down-ballot teams in the, in the big boy leagues. Right. Uh and ones that kind of strike my eye as teams that could really get hot, play well. Uh, I think Creighton. Yep. Uh, because they can really score. Uh, I think Southern Cal because they have one of the top five players in the country in, in a freshman, Evan Mobley, who almost nobody gets to watch because to watch the Pac-12 network, you need like two buckets and a string. Uh, <laughs> And you got to put up with Bill Walton. Well, yeah. Now, you know, we have a love-hate relationship, he and I. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, but I do love uh, Let no, me think. You know, a month ago, I would have said Alabama, but now, you know, everybody knows about Alabama. Right. Uh, would Florida State be hmm? – Florida State was, was one of the most yeah, – I don't. I don't see them as a sleeper. Like I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win the ACC, which kind of makes yeah. So it's not really a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, is is there a a middle Big Twelve team that's a sleeper? You know, could it be Oklahoma State because they have a dominant player? You know, I don't see them winning four games to get to a Final Four, but you never know. Well, if you if anybody drives by the bracket bunker, uh, toss in some food so so Joe can stay uh, nourished and and ready for everything that's to come here in these next few weeks. Joe Lenardi, it's always a blast having you on. We appreciate your your time and, and friendship over the years. All the best to you and and good luck on your book as well. Good luck, Thanks, fellas. Take care. That was ESPN analyst, the bracketologist himself, Joe Lenardi. Always great to have Joe on our show. Chris, uh, he he is a fountain of information, isn't he? What what a great dude. He is and, and uh, never fails. He's going to bust my chops in some way or another, whether it's uh, insulting my, my library behind me or my ability to hit a golf ball straight. But, uh, no, uh, we've been friends for a long time. And, and the thing about Joe that, that uh, you know, he's like 5'4 and I'm 6'4. Uh, we got a lot of differences, but there's one thing that unites us. We both love ball. That is the absolute truth right there. You need your, do you have a bobblehead? You need your own bobblehead. I, I, I don't. And I, I, I shudder to think what my bobblehead would look like considering that whoever created Joe's somehow uh, envisioned Jim Nance. <laughs> they wanted to actually sell them. So <laughs> I know I couldn't tell if it was I told Joe that when he was on with it, <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was Joe or, or like, you know, Matt Damon or who that was on the bobblehead, but yeah, that was... <laughs> they wanted to actually sell them. So they couldn't put Joe's mug on there. <laughs> that was good stuff. Well, Chris, always a lot of fun. I uh, appreciate the time and we'll do it again next week. I'm looking forward to it. My friend. 
He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We will talk to you next time.